Um, we made it. I'm Drew here with my sister, Ashley, and best friend, Derek. And we just got back from October 12th, 1984, the past. Ashley, what were we doing there? Well, each week we travel back in time. To the best year ever. To watch whatever movie just hit theaters. And maybe face our worst fears. Ugh. But before we get into that, Here's what we saw. God, this As is going to be a the biological and social stimulation of the family leads to private reflection outside party needs. Uh. Music's upbeat. The music's sweet, yeah. That's the only... You are so <laughs> Unorthodox loyalties which can only lead to thought crime. Yeah. Oof. Okay. So we watched 1984, rated R for brutal pl- political torture, violence, and sex. Brutal political torture. I don't think we've had that one before. No, it's a new, it's definitely a new one. Oh. Yeah. So we watch Zero Dark Thirty. So if you're looking at the poster, it says George Orwell's terrifying vision comes to the screen. With 1984 and this V symbol um, for victory. Um, it's a very <laughs> ominous like metal V. Um, but interestingly, then you have like this this face looking down on two of the main characters from the movie who are like embracing and um, maybe about to kiss. So it's got like this hmm. gone with the wind <laughs> looking like romance uh, shot with this these ominous eyes um the eyes of big brother looking down on them so the poster isn't my favorite but i guess it does capture the tone of the movie before we get into 1984 the movie we should say we traveled all the way to london to watch the premiere of this movie because it was coming out in the uk before its release in the united states this coming december so while we were there, we figured we'd hit up one of the latest um, crazes in London, which are these VR torture rooms. So, Ooh, so fun. What, what they do when you when you go in, they give you a headset and they tell you that to clear your mind and that they will read your mind and show you in the VR experience whatever your worst fear is. So, Ashley, <laughs> what were you confronted with when you put on that headset? I was confronted with a lot of clowns, just so many. <laughs> Not dolls, clowns, or clown dolls? Clowns. Mm, okay. Clown-like dolls. <laughs> <laughs> was it like a fun house, or were they Yeah, it was you? a fun house, and you would like walk through this maze, and then they would kind of follow you, and they'd pop out. Oh, no. I may or may not have pissed myself. Yeah. So it was pretty scary. <laughs> I don't think I'll be going back. <laughs> what a fun uh, leisure activity. Yeah, um, thanks for picking that. Well, How was we your wanted, experience? <laughs> we wanted to get in the mood for the movie, and um, what better way to do that than to have urine on yourself when you when you sit down? So, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Can you, Ashley, sum up the movie 1984 in 15 seconds? I'm gonna try my best. Okay, Derek, ready the clock and yeah. go. Go. Uh, a newspaper editor works for a totalitarian government and finds hope through illegally falling in love and they're caught by the thought police. And then 
he's tortured until he's scrubbed of his existence or identity. Nice. That's pretty, that's not bad. I mean, it's bad, but it's a good summary. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great summary of kind of like one of the only relationships or character aspects of the movie. We could go into all sorts of, we will go into like mm-hmm. the concepts and themes that the movie introduces, kind of the, the like science fiction ideas that are still present uh, in common language today. But in terms of plot, I mean, not a lot happens to the characters the the main arc is that yeah like this this woman kind of sort of compels him to break the rules and their romance is probably doomed <laughs> um, yeah spoiler romance <laughs> um we'll see so ashley obviously you had heard of the book 1984 before but um had you seen this movie or read the book by george orwell I had not seen the movie or read the book. I was ho- I wish I had read the book actually before watching the movie. Yeah. Um, I knew the movie was going to be obviously really sad, but <laughs> that's all I knew about it. So. Well, you knew. I mean, you knew the term like. From I knew the top it was down, about. Orwellian is a term. Big Brother. Mm-hmm. You might not have even known that it didn't come from the CBS show. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Big Brother was a spinoff from this, right? <laughs> yeah. No, that he coined the term Big Brother. So I mean, something mm-hmm. is like ever-present as that came from this book that was published in 1949. It's it's interesting that like we're watching the movie because we're watching movies from 1984, but this was set in a, you know, this was meant to be set 30 years in the future, 35 years in the future. Mm-hmm. But they timed like the release of the movie to come out in the year <laughs> when <laughs> it was set. So kind of a, yeah. a fun marketing gimmick well and um, the main character's journal entries because you would write in a diary almost mm-hmm. daily they they mirrored the day they were filming oh really interesting mm-hmm. which i thought was pretty cool yeah that's that's nice um for me i had read the book a while ago but it was hard to separate kind of what i remembered from the book versus what i remembered from seeing the movie a couple years ago at the hollywood theater um we were a little time lagged from from our travels and emotionally drained from the VR torture experience yeah, to where and wet yeah and <laughs> wet. Um, to where uh, and smelly. Mm-hmm. I was less focused watching the movie this time in theaters. I feel like I got pretty like um, sucked into it the last time I saw it, whereas this time I was kind of ready for it to be over. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more you know, I kept thinking about it. <laughs> so <laughs> there's definitely some things that stick with you. Um, and, you know, timeless, depressing themes of, of any government that, that overreaches. Derek, um, what did you know about this movie or the book before we saw it? I knew that it was a book and I knew it, it was a movie. And that is it. And similar to you, except I've never seen the movie. I, I didn't watch it the first night we were supposed to because it was so bleak. I just watched some synopses on uh, YouTube, but then I watched it this morning very early. You traveled so t- back on a solo. You traveled mission. back yeah, without us? I, I did. Yeah. I, wow. I had a little bit of a charge on my scooter left. And yeah. I went, went back, <laughs> and I'm thankful that I got back safe. But yeah, I watched it very early this morning. 
Yeah, you broke one of the cardinal rules. And also don't travel alone. With all the with all the time zone hopping, who knows what even this morning is. Well, I'm back now and we're recording this. So I made it. I think I've got all my fingers and toes. So I think we're good. Excellent. Well, let's let's dive into some specifics. Uh, we're going to do highlights and lowlights from the movie and whether or not, you know, this is always a subjective classification, whether something's a highlight or a lowlight. I, I think I'm going to have an interesting perspective on what makes something, you know, memorable and, and why kind of what's might be perceived as weaknesses of the movie <laughs> could be can, uh, perceived as strengths. But Ashley, what did you think about some of the like um, concepts in the movie, like the thought police and the concept of newspeak and things like that? I actually thought it was really interesting. So I wanted to leave the theater a few times during this because I was like, this is just so sad and hard to watch and then i muddled through or i went through it and then i couldn't stop thinking about it so i just thought the concepts were like it was very well done it was it was a tough watch but i thought the concept around thought police and all of the different like illegal movements like they weren't allowed to like basically like have sex or relationships like they didn't want any more children right that was like the whole Mm -hmm. concept behind that and there's just like so many interesting things that i just wasn't didn't even think about until i watched this movie so yeah, so Winston, the main character, has this job for the government, um, which is a totalitarian regime, as you as you alluded to, mm-hmm. um, where he goes through newspaper articles and basically just what deletes stuff from them. He or, edit, no, he goes he, from is it newspaper articles or history books or both? Um, I think it's it's newspaper articles. Yeah. So he edits them to favor the totalitarian government. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's it's all kind of like um, uh, a fictional concept <laughs> to some extent, but the way that they show it in this um, like analog technology of him having to actually like scrub stuff from, you know, like uh, cover up stuff in the newspaper. And then he puts out the new newspaper in like a pneumatic tube and sends it sends it off somewhere. It's all very like dated at at this Mm -hmm. point when it would just all be happening digitally but as far as what he's actually doing is uh pretty you know topical and 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 relevant just kind of spinning news stories in whatever i would say right in our society it's so fragmented obviously from the top down we have some some spinning happening but Mm -hmm. the bigger problem is probably just like everybody putting a spin on 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 something so we're all sort of like the winston character in our like twitter lives or something in in modern day he's basically a pr person yeah um so what about just kind of i think the the thing we have to address and you mentioned it with like wanting to leave leave the theater even though you didn't need to take bathroom breaks obviously um, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Is just the movie's unrelenting. I, I was watching a trailer earlier to reimmerse myself in it because <laughs> I'm a, a masochist, and the, the the words "an uncompromising vision of the future" flashed up on on the screen. And I feel like the movie is really committed to capturing the bleakness of the society mm. and not 
letting you have really any any relief from it a little bit when they venture out on their little dates but for the most part you like actually feel like you're in the society for better or worse do you find that effective <laughs> yeah it was very effective i mean it didn't waver you're yeah. just kind of through you're just like stuck in the movie the entire time you're like oh like get me out of here <laughs> but it's we're gonna talk about some of the most nightmarish dystopians later but like it got me thinking of why so many dystopian movies are more watchable um mm -hmm. you know like something entertaining like hunger games or um even something where the world is equally depressing like the road but it's just you know like a, a, a father and a son it's more of like a character you, you know you're like really attached to the characters mm -hmm. i think one of the the challenges with this movie is that did you feel any attachment towards winston or um julia the the lady that he falls in love with i really liked winston actually really okay. i just felt i just felt Go bad on. for him and i thought he was well i mean i thought his acting was incredible but i think he just I just felt for him like he just seemed so hopeless and like I wanted like a glimmer just like something to like pull him out of that and then when he met Julia I was just like finally like he's happy about something and then that all fell apart but <laughs> well he was happy that one time he got a prostitute yeah for like a second yeah. <laughs> um, maybe a few seconds but if, if, I don't know I just I was rooting for him to like find happiness if this was a rom-com so they meet in a very cute way <laughs> in the hallway of the <laughs> of the uh, bunker or whatever they live in where mm -hmm. she like bumps into him and pretends to fall on the ground and or does fall on the ground and then when he he like realizes later that she put a note on yeah on she's him. yeah she put a note in the pen right or something or that was yeah. a different time but she was like giving him love notes and like i don't know i just it made the movie a little more tolerable i think if that wasn't and it'd be really hard for me to continue i just needed something to like latch on to that was a different emotion i agree it was something i mean like in the spectrum of whether enjoyable parts of the movie like that was one of the more the emotionally compelling parts mm -hmm. like i said i th i think I, I kind of do commend the movie for its dedication to just like keeping it as bleak as the source material dictated it's just when you're reading a book you can fill in whatever visuals you want for one and secondly you can go more in depth on kind of like the details of the world and and then this you just kind of have to like show it and immerse yourself in it and it's just and you don't take breaks like when you're reading a book so right to be immersed for two hours in this world is like uh, like VR, like you feel like Painful, <laughs> you yeah. feel depressed. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. Not to mention, if you draw, if you start to draw any parallels to, you know, like Current present state. day, then yeah. you feel yep. even more depressed. So mm -hmm. that's a challenge. Um, how do you think the depictions of technology held up, you know, uh, 36 years later? Uh, not great. <laughs> well, even you were mentioning like the the old school way he's like sending in the newspaper basically through like almost like an ATM when you go to the yeah. bank. Um, it just, it was fine. I thought like the hidden TV, like the TVs everywhere where you had to listen to everything they said all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, everything seemed kind of outdated, like there's, but I mean, I don't think technology is going to change in that world anyway. So, 
Well, it's it's cool because um, the we're basic. The movie is the halfway bet- point between when the book came out and where we are now. So you know, roughly thirty five years in between each. And so I I'd have to reread the you know passages from the book, but I'm guessing that they kind of like didn't go as sci-fi as they could have. They they used some of the source material from you know 49 to inform what was on the screen. And now <laughs> with another 30, 35 plus years uh, later, it's definitely gonna feel dated even more so than other uh, kind of like movies that depict technology from, from the time. So mm-hmm. I think it's probably mostly a choice, but um, it also, depicts like if this state is in a perpetual this country um is in a perpetual state of war they're probably not advancing like as fast as they were (laughs) yeah before they're just spending all their resources on maintaining this uh never-ending war so that they can use that as a way to keep like society you know why is anyone going to rise up when there's no real uh light at the end of the tunnel to reach. Mm-hmm. Well, that, and if they like, keep advancing technology, then I feel like it's, yeah, I it won't hold true. Like something will happen to where someone's like, oh, I figured out a way to block the screens to not yeah. get found out or whatever. They're like, we don't want anyone to figure anything out. Yeah. You I mean, know? capitalism, yeah. as we're finding out, has, a, you know, unchecked capitalism can have some side effects or some, you know, negative side effects. But this is the, mm-hmm. This is what you get when you don't incentivize. There's no, there's no reason to incentivize anybody to come up with creative new ideas um, because one, they're not allowed to. And you know, if you're in the government, you're just coming up with new ideas to maintain your power and maintain the status quo. You're not trying to advance society. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's very cynical because like, they don't even want, nobody wants to win the war. Like They want right. all, the, all the competing countries are competing over areas that don't really have that much significance. They they just need the war to be going so that <laughs> it keeps <laughs> it keeps their like situ- it keeps everything in stasis. It's it's really quite 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 uh, sad. But mm-hmm. um, let's talk about one of the most fun memorable moments that inspired us to go to the the torture room. Um, why don't you describe how Winston gets broken? in the movie oh okay thanks (laughs) (laughs) um so he's chained up to basically a torture table um and his arms and legs are in shackles and every time and o'brien is like the leader of the thought police and he wants him to basically say o'brien puts up four fingers and wants um winston to think it's five and mm-hmm. O'Brien just or Winston like can't do it. He's just like, no, like that's four. He's like, I want to believe it's five. And every time that he thinks it's four, O'Brien shocks him with like higher and higher voltage until essentially his brain kind of turns a little mushy. Yep. Um, and then there's oh, it's just like it's so hard to watch. It's just so sad. <laughs> that's you, not even the you, scene I was thinking of, but that one's t- equally terrible. Well, well, was it go from that until? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Well, no, let's, a lot of- let's let's pause there because I want to talk about double think. Like, so the the concept is that everybody in this society, it's like being. Uh, I was watching a YouTube video and they were they were saying that the the easiest analogy is North Korea. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you've only ever been brought up in this um, 
limit, you know, this state where you only know what the government tells you and you don't have access to the outside world for the most part, like the, the, I, the state that they want all the citizens to be in is they can say they can hold two contradictory ideas in their mind at the same time. And frankly, that doesn't seem like a far-fetched concept when you apply it to like, current events and news um <laughs> i won't use the 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 term that we've coined in the last couple of years but mm-hmm. so that they the examples they use is like two plus two equals five that seems like absurd to us but right. like you know just repeating you know black is white uh the sky is green like if if you get all your information if you're just trained by torture and other <laughs> other methods to believe everything the government tells you then that's like that, that's where you end up and that statement the two plus two equals five um came from the soviet communist party slogan from the second for the second five-year plan from 33 to 37 which encouraged fulfillment of the five-year plan in four years Mm. Um, and the slogan was seen in electric neon lights on Moscow, like house fronts and public buildings and stuff. So they're really pushing a five-year plan in four years, but that clearly didn't happen. Yeah. Oh man. There's, I'm trying to think of the term that Steve jobs had for like when he wanted something to be done in an unreasonable amount of time, he would basically convince his workers and rally the troops and over, over work <laughs> his workers because they he was so uh passionate and like Mm -hmm. a lot sometimes some people idolize him some people villainize him but like all really strong leaders have this ability to like influence people's fundamental way of thinking which is too much power um in almost all cases you know it's like cult leaders are another good example (laughs) yeah usually when one person has that much uh total control they end up abusing it because we're flawed as people, as individuals. And drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, so that was the that was the like torture scene where they eventually they get him to break, right? Yeah. So they get to eventually after he's like his teeth are falling out and like his body's just dying. Yeah. Which is hard to watch, like are while they, he's being interrogated. Are they falling out or are they? He, being well, he pulled. Out? So oh yeah, well, I was gonna say. So yes. O'Brien pulls out his tooth to show him what humanity looks like. And then he tells them he's like wasting away because he hadn't seen himself in the mirror yet. So right. Cause they're starving him. Cause they're, yeah, they're starving him and then shocking him until he just believes whatever they have to say. What was Winston's worst fear? Clowns? Rats. <laughs> Rats. Yeah. Well, how do they, uh, I, I, I feel like you don't want to uh, relive it, but how do they introduce him to his worst fear? Uh, they put a cage like right in front of his face that has like a long tube and it has two rats in it. They're kind of fighting each other and they open up the cage and have him come to his face. Yikes. Yeah. Rats. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, that's basically where the movie wraps up. Right. I mean him, the, the thing that then cited that whole torture, uh, seen you know series of torture events is that they catch him in uh the like room above a a very depressing um little thrift store where he's uh occasionally rendezvousing with julia sometimes they're going out into like 
the actual countryside, which is nice, but they find out that they were uh, spying on them in the room and the room was set up specifically to like capture people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which made, I really hope like the thrift store owner or the antique shop owner was a good guy. Is that kind of. Yep. Well, there's a couple red herrings in the movie where isn't O'Brien. There's, there's somebody who they think is like the leader of the uprising and everyone mm-hmm. just turns out to be part of the the party yeah power. he thinks so Ob- oh, julia and him think o'brien is like a good guy yeah. and o'brien's even like oh i have the newest edition for the latest like news speak you should come by mm-hmm. and i can give it to you and he just yeah he's a jerk so cool well um before we wrap up the highlights and lowlights um those were all a mixture <laughs> <laughs> i like i wanted to talk about a broader point which this movie reminded me of Eraserhead for some reason um yep which Same here. yeah is a movie I love. Um, it's a movie where you're immersed in this like black. I mean, it's shot in black and white, but you're immersed in this this smoky like um, coal industrial town, and uh, weird and and horrifying things are happening to the characters pretty much the whole movie. There's more jokes in it, um, despite what pe- the idea, the impression that people might have. So that helps with the levity a little bit, but like. Ashley, do you think that there is a value in movies and works of art that are kind of like basically leave you feeling depressed? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, you root for the happy ending, but if you don't get it, I think it it's more of an impression than when you get it. So, yeah, I, I feel like the, the, the problem with this one is that it's too specific, like something like Eraserhead or Melancholia will mm-hmm. give you that tone but you can still kind of be caught up in like the the fantasy aspect of it this one is supposed to be i mean this is supposed to be a kind of a worst case scenario fantasy and it and it is obviously more extreme than things we've seen in in real life but it's still it just it's not really shot in a like fantastical way it's shot in a really like grounded way it doesn't have like cinematic flourishes no, not at all. I mean, it's not like a Lynch movie in the sense of there's like a woman that lives in the radiator with giant like um, cheeks that that <laughs> sings um, to the, the main character. There so, is a singer in this. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to pick a character, um, but that's fine. <laughs> you can pick a character for this movie. Well, I was just going to pick this, the soup lady. So she just serves soup to them every day in the cafeteria. But then at night she's doing, or during the day or whenever she has time off, she does laundry and she sings all day. And just, I don't know, it's like one little like nice thing in the movie. That's true. That is almost kind of like a, a rare tonal shift that but the movie to, gives you. But, yeah, but to shift the tone back, it was her last movie because then she passed away. So and she didn't even get to see herself in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and who else? Um, was it the director that was... Um, no, o- oh. O'Brien. Oh, that's who Richard Burton is. Duh. Yeah, so Richard, so it was his last movie as well. Yeah, um, he was extremely poor in health, and he hadn't been in a movie in years, so they didn't really they were unsure whether or not they wanted him in the movie, and he had trouble with all of his lines. In one of the scenes, he had to do forty-one takes because he couldn't remember. <laughs> like he couldn't, he was like fumbling his speech because he was so sick. Well, that's I don't know why I laughed. Yep. That's yeah, that's rude. But... More depressing. Uh, <laughs> I know. Thank you. I figured the um, trivia would be depressing as well. You're welcome. I think it's time for a quick break from our discussion of 1984 while we tune into 
new release radio. So, New Release Radio is where we give you a little taste of what was happening this week back in 1984. The song you just heard was Caribbean Queen by Billy Ocean, up five spots to number six on the Billboard Top 100 for the week of October 12th, 1984. Ashley, what's happening in the news or pop culture this week? Well, astronaut Kathy Sullivan becomes the first U.S. woman to walk in space during a space shuttle Challenger mission. Yay, women! STS-41G? Yeah, how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. No, that's cool. That is um, good for her. Mm, it's awesome. What's happening over in the box office? Yeah, so we actually have a box office report this week, which is fun. Um, a couple movies that we didn't see are topping the charts. Teachers. I think it's like a Nick Nolte schoolyard oh. movie. Um, Places in the Heart. Uh, with three million, no idea what that is. All of me, yay, Steve! One of our faves, yeah, still in the top three with three point three. And because we saw the um, UK premiere of nineteen eighty four, I'm not sure where it ranks on the US box office um, because it hasn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment on an R eighty four rank the blank. So this is where we pick a topic inspired by the week's movie and we rank our personal favorite choices from that topic. This week we have most nightmarish dystopian. This was a fun one. Um, Ashley, before I forget, did we get any Instagram feedback? We did, and it's not one of it's on this list, so I don't know if I want to. Ooh, okay, you can save it. Um, <laughs> I put us the, the road. That's right. <laughs> oh well, that's on the list of contenders. Yeah, yeah. So if we want to move yeah. it, just saying. Well, I don't know if we need to move it. I mean, there's a billion dystopian um, movies and stories, and uh, Derek and I were even in a dystopian book club for like a year. Was it um, sad? Well, we did get burned out on it. I'll say that. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just kind of like a timeless uh, storytelling device. Um, but there's like a wide range of, of, you know, types of dystopians. So I think all of ours sort of kind of fall in the nightmarish like uh, government overlords. But there's, uh, there's ones like The Road, which I mentioned earlier, that's more of just like a post-apocalyptic dystopian. Mm -hmm. um there's kind of the high concept ones like hunger games uh surrealist ones clockwork orange were there any um any ones you wanted to call out ashley that that didn't make the final cut mad max fury road specifically yeah nice. yeah that's an awesome one i actually watched um the final of the new planet of the apes movies the other night that's that's a classic one. There's so many. Um, when I saw the first, I saw the the first Purge probably a year ago. It was actually pretty good. I mean, like the co the concept's interesting, and I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's like the dystopian for a day. But if you are if you have a society that 
would implement that for one day. It's probably has some, <laughs> some flaws outside mm-hmm. of just that, just that day. I guess that's supposed to, you know, uh, fix everything else by letting people get it out of their system. Yeah. And they'll so, be fine for the whole year until again, <laughs> yeah. kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's the, there's the more, this is a futuristic dystopian that we watched, but there's ones like Blade Runner that kind of, you know, focus on what it means to be human. Some of these, like there's, there's so many directions you can go in, but we mostly went with, uh, adaptations i'm pretty sure so let's get Mm -hmm. into our choices um we have the totalitarian regime of oceania 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 from the movie we watched 1984 um ashley what was your choice so my choice which i'll go and i'll describe a little bit um but it's the handmaid's tale so it's not a movie but it's a show so it counts and it's just basically when women are forced to procreate with high-ranking officials in order to provide children for their wives who can't have children on their own so that's like the work my worst nightmare that's that's the like most gross way they're oppressed but obviously they're just oppressed and uh, they're subjugated in every aspect of of in every aspect but then they have to like give and if they don't if they can't bear children then they're basically killed so yeah, let's let's hear a snippet. <laughs> Yay. Now I'm awake. You girls will serve the leaders and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. Mm. Yep. I mean, what was the what was the romance and not the romance angle? Was romance just forbidden in uh Oceania and <laughs> Oceania. Yeah, it was forbidden. It was illegal. So that was yeah. like one of the things that the thought police enforced because they didn't but want they to could any... procreate. I thought they weren't allowed to have children. Well, I thought that was part like of it. Somebody was having children. I mean, not voluntarily, but, you know, similar Probably to the high ranking officials. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some overlap there for me. I went in a different direction, maybe more in the like eraser head sort of like fantasy world direction with Yorgos Lanthimos's The Lobster um, with Colin Farrell and Rachel Weiss and John C. Riley um, came out, I don't know, five years ago or so. And I actually watched it this year. It's, it's really darkly funny. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll debate whether or not it's the most nightmarish. It's definitely the most like surreal. And if you were, if you had this as a dream, the premise of the the movie, um, which is if you don't find a suitable a mate within X amount of time when you go off to this like dating island, then you get turned into an animal of your of choice. Of your choice, yeah. yeah. Of your choice. Um, here's the head of that uh, place explaining. Careful. You need to choose a companion that is a similar type of animal to you. <laughs> a wolf and a penguin could never live together. Nor could a camel and a hippopotamus. That would be absurd. See? Absurd. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I I actually um, took a date to see this movie when it came out. Nice. How'd that go? Um, it was it actually went well. He really liked it. But I talked to like the ticket taker before he got there, and he was saying that a lot of the a lot of couples break up during that movie or they realize certain <laughs> things from it. They're like, Oh, are you fake like are you not really interested in this? piece that i'm really interested in and like they pointed out a lot of flaws in people's relationships 
Hmm. And he was telling me like a lot of couples like would leave the movie. <laughs> I love, I'm like, well, I, first date, whatever. <laughs> I love movies like that. And also good for the, was it a, a, a guy ticket person? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, that he would strike up that conversation. Maybe he was laying the, some groundwork, but maybe, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think midsummer took that up a notch <laughs> to the yeah. ultimate date, uh, date test extreme. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I love this movie. Uh, again, we can debate what makes it, what makes a dystopian more nightmarish. Uh, Derek, what was your choice? So I was going to cho choose the road at first. And then I realized, rem or rather remembered, uh, V for Vendetta. Yeah. And I don't really need to go into too much detail. It's a fascist government and you've got some extremists that are trying to, uh, kind of break it down yeah it kind mm -hmm. of sounds familiar um so here we go thus i clothe my naked villainy with old odd ends stolen forth from holy writ and seem a saint when most i play the devil oh, please have mercy oh not tonight bishop not <laughs> you, have, you have a silver-tongued um main uh character who's like leading the the underground uprising the difference in this movie i mean i guess in most dystopians you're following supposed heroes um but in this it's 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 nice that like they're they're people that have to resort to uh illegal and underground methods because the government is so oppressive that you know there's no way to <laughs> there's no other way to do it it's kind mm -hmm. of the opposite um, of 1984 yeah, I mean, like 1984 is so bleak that it doesn't even really ever give you any impression that there's going to be an uprising. Whereas right. this movie is all about like getting getting excited that they're gonna that they're gonna succeed. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, let's start ranking them. Ashley, where does 1984 go um, in terms of nightmarishness? I would put it towards well that's tough. tough so it's a tough tough to rank all you these could, you could do it as in like it is if you had to live in one of them well that's what that's, i was thinking yeah. that's what i was trying to put because i was like the lobster like if i had to choose to be a dog and i was just running around like whatever if right. i don't find love like that's fine but handmaid's tale like i'm forced to like produce children that i don't get to take care like don't get to hang out with and then i'm just like used up and i can't do anything else with my life terrifying yeah. it's more specific and then it's more like specific to women right versus you know and then v for vendetta might... could has a has a potentially positive outlook yeah so i would put uh i maybe would put v for vendetta at the bottom and I mean, the lobster <laughs> yeah my only argument I mean... my so the lobster is the obvious choice for for last but my only argument against that is just that it's so like weird and, and unsettling that if you were actually if you if you let's just say you woke up and you were in that um the i don't know what to call it it's just basically like a big hotel where mm -hmm. you go to like group meals and stuff and you go about your daily activities but with looming in the background is that you're gonna you have, have to, to like find, love. find not just find a mate and fake it because if you fake it you get you get punished or killed um mm -hmm. like not knowing what the transformation is going to be like like it's yeah it would just be almost more disturbing because it's you you can 
actually picture your life in these other dystopians. Yeah, but if I was in a, I don't know. I still think the lobster for me, okay. even though you put a good, good argument, I still okay. think the lobster is probably at the bottom for me. Okay. So from bottom to top, lobster, V for Vendetta. And then we got kind of overall overarching oppression. Like the men don't really have it any, well, the men probably have it a little better than the women in 1984, just because like all the men are in power. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're probably not getting like, um, sexually assaulted and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's mainly much. the same for Handmaid's Tale too. There's a lot of overlap with both of those. So yeah, honestly, I, it's really like the Handmaid's Tale focuses more on kind of the sex crimes, mm -hmm. but it's a toss up. I mean, what about the world at large, like then I'm, I'm thinking 84 wins. Yeah. Is the worst. Wins. Yeah. Is, is the worst. Yeah. Because I feel like even in Handmaid's Tale, there's, I mean, it's pretty awful, but there's like some hope. I feel like in 84, you're, there's no hope at all. So, yeah, that's my I, ranking. I'm with you. Okay. Well, we have yeah. a, the movie of the week is the winner. Ooh, is that a Which, first? <laughs> it, I don't know if it's the first or not, but it is a rare designation um, because it has to compete. And this is not even a movie we liked, mind you. It has to compete with like our personal choices. Mm -hmm. So that is another testament to the powerful tone <laughs> yeah. of this movie. And uh, its bleak bleakness conquers all. Anyway, it's almost time to sign off on new release radio for this week and give our final thoughts on 1984. But before we do, let's hear a track that's very topical coming in at number 46 on this week's Billboard Top 100. And a little more upbeat sound. How about Catchy. those lyrics? <laughs> War is stupid and people are stupid. Love means nothing. Catchy. It it's upbeat sounding, but of the perfect <laughs> national anthem for Oceania. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i hope you enjoyed the war song by culture club oh culture club now back to our feature presentation ashley <laughs> how are the reviews for 1984 actually uh, no idea how this is gonna go so mixed bag um overall pretty positive overall positive like a like upward 60 percent hmm. so more people liked it that didn't like it i don't even know if they liked it you know but they appreciated <laughs> they it appreciated the movie itself and a lot of people read the book beforehand so there are a lot of reviews being like, oh, it's similar to the book in these ways. And this is why I liked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I will do my two true reviews by two actual critics and then one review by myself. And you guys can guess if it's me or if it's a critic. And I'm yeah, a liar. Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. do it. <clears throat> um, many viewers might become agitated at its placidity, especially considering mm. the cheerlessness of the subject matter. Hmm. Well, I've never heard you use placidity before, so. <laughs> sure haven't. <laughs> Shoot. Um, and then the next one, a very powerful film. John Hurt was incredible. You really felt the sadness and despair in his acting and rooted for his happiness. Ooh, okay. Yeah, you, you mentioned you liked him earlier. That's so. a maybe. And then director Michael Radford's well-constructed film makes a dramatic and compelling case for people in free countries to stand up to all restrictions of personal freedoms before it's too late. 
Well, hey, this one's pretty obvious, but yeah. well, I'll say I have this. I have this like running theory. I always bring up with a friend of the show, Jamie, that mm-hmm. dudes constantly talk about directors um, and women talk about actors or their just feelings, kind of, you know, like other aspects of the movie. They don't ever like um, apply a tourist theory to their their impressions of the film. So I'm going to say That's you didn't true. start your review by mentioning the director. No, um, <laughs> or the word placidity. So, right. <laughs> well, I think so. Yeah, not an asshole. But I think yeah. next time going into it, I'll change it up now that I know that insight. So. Oh, yeah. See if you can. Uh, but I find... think my review is the best. No, so... I, I, yeah. None of this is to uh, yours. Your review is approachable and <laughs> basic now. Um, fundamentally, like just an emotional response. It's mm-hmm. it's great. What was the first one again? Um, many I'm viewers so hung up on one word. Placidity. Um, many viewers <laughs> might become agitated at its placidity, especially considering the cheerlessness of the subject matter. So, the word that I kept coming back to was bleak. Um, mm-hmm. Placidity, I think, is an interesting, if not pretentious, way to describe the the evenness of the tone. Like like I said earlier, it doesn't have like cinematic flourishes it's not fun to watch it's yeah. very docile very placid <laughs> it's so gray I, if it was your side color it's gray yeah it's yeah. it's that's that is a weird you know a fancy word to use but i think i think appropriate so yeah i agree with that review um i agree with your review and i forgot the last one but at least we guessed correct yep <laughs> Why don't we rank this movie on a scale of one to eighty-four on what how? What about 80s my alliteration awards? Oh, you really want to do this? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> it also won a lot of awards in general. Oh yeah. Okay. So for once, we have a movie that won awards, and I and I you went to skip them. over. Yeah. So what <laughs> okay. awards did this movie win? Without further ado, Ashley. It won the British Film Awards for Best Film, Best and Best Actor, John Hurt. Mm. It won for the Fantas Sporto, which we had last week, I think, or the week before. For yeah, the, I thought I said Fantas Sporto. Yeah, that's true. Um, for the International Fantasy Film Award for the Best Actor, John Hurt again, and then it was nominated for the Best Film. It won the Golden Tulip, which I don't know what that means, but hmm. that's an Istanbul International Film Festival. And then it also nice. won another International Film Festival for Best Actor for Richard Burton and John Hurt. So okay, it won a lot of awards. Let's talk about the acting a little bit more because you called it out earlier. I mm-hmm. I didn't have a strong response to it. I don't necessarily blame John Hurt, but I just didn't emotionally connect with the performance. What was it about this performance that you think like garnered so much recognition? Well, I think that I think the torturing scenes kind of just made me feel just like so sad for him. I did tear up a little bit. So yeah. He pulled up the pulled up my heartstrings because I just wanted him to be happy. And then when they were found out that and they were like finally like seemed like they were falling in love and then he got captured and then tortured um, basically almost to death. So I, that, that is sort of an acting showcase dream dream scenario to be locked in a, a head cage with rats um in, in close up <laughs> on your face. But I guess I didn't connect with him when he was like supposed to be going through some sort of like emotional uh change and and experiencing happiness maybe i just kind of like zoned out and put my 
blinders on, you know, or was like beaten down by the movie. Yeah. But, and I think that's the right, again, I think that's the right tone to play it. Um, but yeah, anyway, I was just never on board with him, which is maybe a defense mechanism. <laughs> yeah. And I had more of an emotional response. So yeah. women. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah well, women. S- no, same here. For the emotional response part? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Derek's also more of a woman. Uh huh. um and then i do have some alliteration awards okay uh, (laughs) so my first one there's two of them my first one is sad 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 help award it's kind of like a a um uh beat poem yeah Mm -hmm. and then the other one is hopeless hopeful hopeless award (laughs) jesus wow you should um go to an open mic Oh man. Well, that's just how I felt after I watched the movie. I was very just like, just sad. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an experience. Um, all right. Can we do, can we, can we, um, rank it now on a scale? Okay. Sure. So the scale one to 84 is usually based on things like the music, the wardrobe, the actors, whether it holds an iconic place in eighties history, um, for context, our movie last week, The Toxic Avenger, I <laughs> over I made an executive decision and said that it deserved the highest 80s ranking yet. So that's an 82 out of 84. Um, Ghostbusters is in second place with an 80 out of 84. And then we have some in the high 70s. Uh, so Ashley, where do you want to start with this one? Hello. I mean, it's called 1984, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, it's got that. Derek, that's going to break that. your computer. That'll be but... like 10 points, but <laughs> the rest of it, I mean, the wardrobe, the actors, the music, it's hard because this type of movie doesn't really ring the bell for like 80s, especially when we're talking about like the technology piece. Like yeah. it didn't try to be futuristic. It didn't try to like, well, it was just, yeah. I. It's closer just... to the 50s than it is the mm-hmm. 80s and certainly closer to that than it would be like, trying to be modern well it's not trying to be modern today i mean right it was they could have they made it like leading up to 84 obviously so they could have gone for like something that they would thought was going to be well into the future but i think they just uh fall fell back on you know what was in the book so i yeah i don't think it feels 80s at all no um so for for the name it gets some points but that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) like mid 50s um i don't even know yeah it's our lowest one yet arguably Mm -hmm. derek what's your computer saying sounds like it's dying it's a it's a it's a computer from the 80s come on give me a break uh it came out in 1949 so i'm gonna give it a 49 that's about perfect that's about all I'm going to do. give it. Okay. Let's, let's do 49 plus 84 minus 49. No. That Doesn't that just bring it back down to 49? 40, what did you say? 49 <laughs> plus 84 minus 49, then it'd be 84. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> Terrible at math. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have Derek's supercomputer. Um, this is, this is going to be an interesting question i say as i ask it uh do you recommend this movie or do you want to see it remade or both um i want to read the book i, I yeah. want to recommend the book to people sight unread yeah 
Yeah. But I feel like books are typically for me better than movies. So I would rather just recommend someone reading the book. Yeah. This movie gets compared or the like book and movie gets compared to Brave New World a lot. Those are kind of, if you're like Googling dystopian fiction, those are at the top of the list in terms of ones that like popular popularize the genre mm-hmm. um, in modern fiction. So I read both of them around the same time, probably like 10 or 15 years ago. I could definitely use a refresher and read it in a whole new light if I was to do that today. So I'll second that recommendation for the movie. Now that I've seen it twice in two years or twice in three years, no, I can't really. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know I'm. Uh, if someone hasn't seen it, I'm not gonna, you know, push I'm it. I'm gonna them. watch it with them either. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna watch it with them. What about the? What about you, Derek? If you like depressing movies, and yeah. you want to. F- get into a weird space of just feeling kind of gray and lost, but at the same time, kind of claustrophobic. Yeah. Watch it. But I would, I would just, I would maybe check the book out. I haven't read it. So I don't know. Yeah. I would watch Re- melancholia if you want to feel that. Oh yes. Or, that, was, that was another one I was thinking of that reminded. Or like Requiem of- for a dream. <laughs> sure. Yeah. On a more of like character based level, that will definitely that's, but depressing if we were doing most depressing now that we've seen the movie we might have changed the the rank the blank to most depressing <laughs> movies but maybe i'm sure we'll get to do that in the future we'll get it yeah look forward to that um <laughs> quickly what about a remake is there any way to remake this you change the year i uh, i haven't thought about it 20 year 20 2040 yeah 2020 done yeah. Um, so. Oh, oh. So that was a tie for the Instagram poll. By the way, it was like a lot of votes for the road and a lot of votes for 2020. It's like the scariest dystopian. So. Oh, people had jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or yeah. not? Not, <laughs> not really. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> um. Cool. Well, one last thing to do for this movie and all movies we watch, immortalize it in our new release wax museum. What? Uh piece of memorabilia do we want to represent this movie in our wax museum ashley the rats <laughs> the rat cage <laughs> oh yeah we could just have an interactive like a, display well we could have like a because we already have some other scary scene right so we'd have like a halloween like the children of the corn some like yeah. scary sector i mean i think you should be able to just put your head in it and have rats come up to you well, they don't Ooh. have to be real rats no they're gonna be real yeah i mean we gotta take, be real and you have to feed pets. them cheese out of your mouth into their mouth or, feed oh, them or we skin. could just make we could just make charlie wear it oh yeah yeah done perfect yeah charlie sheen in case yeah. Yeah. <laughs> frequent guest <laughs> check, check out one of our previous podcasts yeah every single one of them i'm pretty sure um, <laughs> all right well that's it for uh 1984 the movie not the year because next week We'll be watching a very special movie for somebody's birthday. Whose birthday Ooh. is left? It's nobody's. Let's let's hear the clip. It's Derek's. <laughs> Watching Revenge of the Nerds again. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that was uh, the little bit of the trailer for Stop Making Sense, the Talking Heads documentary. So I'm pretty excited to watch this. How about y'all? Yeah, I never even knew this existed. So pretty pumped. All right. Well, um, if you want to hear us discuss that and every future episode to come, you should subscribe to the podcast by searching New Release 1984 on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else you get podcasts. And that's a wrap. Two plus two equals five. Uh. Ah, yeah. Good, good note to end on. <laughs> final line of the movie was I love you yeah oh it was is that when he died yeah